the the most important thing is to make sure that you are accurately being able to predict who's going to buy in the future. Welcome to the State of CRM podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Ben. And this week we'll be talking a little bit about something different. So we're going to talk about acquisition. We talk a lot about CRM. um, And this week we're just going to pivot a bit because within our conversations about CRM, we talk obviously a lot about first party data usage. And uh, in a world where acquisition costs are increasing, targeting is becoming more difficult, acquisition marketers uh, should be, and in some cases are, leaning a lot more into their first-party data. So today's discussion is going to be sort of surrounding the importance of first-party data within the acquisition ecosystem and uh, some of the things marketers can think about and strategies they can deploy to use first-party data for acquisition. Yeah, and Matt, I mean, that's no secret uh, that the attention of, uh, of customer is fragmented in a lot of different uh, ways. Uh, that can be uh, really a lot of different channels. Uh, we, we, we mention them uh, often uh, on, on the podcast, uh, but uh, there are a lot of different channels, but also these channels can be seen in different screens. Mm. And so the attention is really spread out between different screens, different channels. And so the attention is complicated to, to, to get. Uh, there is a lot of competition to, to really uh, get attention from, for your brand from, uh, from the customer point of view. And they are exposed, uh, consumers are exposed to a lot of messages. Um, and that's more and more difficult to, uh, to yeah, to, to, to be able to get out of the crowd uh, and, and being sure that your message is seen. And, um, and the big question is that, how do you improve this targeting, this uh, capability to send the right message and expose the, the, the right customer with the consumer with the, the right message? Um, that exists for a long time. That's not new on the market, uh, but usually companies for this type of campaign and acquisition campaign are using and uh, we're using and are still using third-party data. Uh, the issue is that third-party data is more and more expensive, mm-hmm. uh, less and less accurate, uh, costs you an additional uh, uh, tickets to redress, to, to correct them, to, to fix and, and to, to, uh, to um, be sure that the data is... is um, improve uh, or um yeah that's i mean really really uh, really um, works correctly with your system too so redressed um, all all the work on the data and that you can acquire with third party provider makes the costs increasing a lot and we know that's mentioned that the fact that efficiency can uh, go down because of the of the, the the volume of message that every brands are, are sending, yeah, 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 and I think um, you know to your point around ad saturation, which has been obviously a big issue, but we'll be primarily talking about digital today when we're talking about things like data costs and uh, and third party data driven targeting and whatnot. But obviously, it applies to to all channels, but. You know, especially over the last you know few years, uh, the the rise of digital commerce has meant that more and more brands are leaning into digital advertising in terms of increasing spend. We've also seen, to your point, Ben, an increase in channels, which means, uh, like like you were saying earlier, attention's divided. Uh, and, and, and the issue being, 
And this is kind of where we're tying it into what we usually talk about around CRM is um, how do you create relevant experiences for your audiences? And when we talk about relevant experiences in CRM, you know, we talk about delivering things that customers would be interested in in engaging with, like finding the right product, for example. Um, and then you see things like your open rates and your click rates all increase because you've created that relevant experience. Well, it's not different in acquisition. And so to your point around rising data costs, when marketers are seeking to create relevant experiences within acquisition, um, you know, it, it, it becomes more difficult when third-party data is more expensive. And in a lot of cases, the third-party data you get is out of date or unusable. Um, I think um, I, there's just some statistics regarding that that are kind of interesting. 44% of marketers rely primarily on third-party data for acquisition. And uh, bad third-party data impacts about 88% of brands' bottom line. So there's this heavy reliance on something that's expensive and in a lot of cases ineffective. Um, and so acquisition marketers are sort of caught between a rock and a hard place because you need to have a digital presence. Um, that's where attention is. Even even the way consumers are consuming TV is digital now. However, being able to reach them across those channels at scale is becoming difficult and more expensive. So um, acquisition is a, a challenging place to be right now. Yeah, and and uh, was mentioning the 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 cleaning part of the the acquisition of data or third party data and and the cleaning costs after buying data. Um, I mean, the, the the same study is mentioning that thirty four percent of the of the player rely on cleaning solution uh, such as Experian, uh, the, the, the study is coming from, from them and, and they provide this service. But uh, also that's a step that even if you don't use an, a, a provider for that, a lot of companies are doing because almost 25% of them are also doing that manually or internally. Yeah. And, yeah. and all this work to improve, correct, clean the data uh, you, are, you are getting from outside source that's a lot of money and that's a lot of investment in time um, to less and less effective results. So if you keep going on with this uh, third-party process, third-party data process integration for acquisition, uh, because of all we mentioned, uh, just mentioned on competition and, and uh, more and more difficult ways to contact uh, customers, you'll have to invest more in more data, uh, you invest more to clean them. And so your investments increase and your return, your performances decrease. So mm. the return investment can't <laughs> go up. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's an issue because that's just uh, a finite. I mean, there is, there, there is an end on, uh, to that. That's you, you can't scale it. You, you can't really scale it. And, uh, and to add something Else in the equation, uh, uh, the cost of the technology to run all of that increase too because you are managing more uh, data points and more information. Um, anyone you match more data, that's uh, that's will uh, increase the cost of the technology you use to do that. Uh, but something that's we can also mention is that it's more it's more difficult because of the regulations. Yeah, uh, and uh, regulation on third-party data. 
make it more and more complicated. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I think there's lots of studies that have been done for uh, like analyzing sort of like every dollar of of advertising spend on media, like how much of that actually generates impressions that are valuable, like that you were where some human being actually sees your ad and that human being is somebody you actually want to see your ad. And and after some of those costs that you mentioned, Ben, around data costs and tech costs, and then you have your agency costs, and then you have lost media due to to poor targeting, like reaching irrelevant customers. And then you have lost media due to ad fraud. And then you have lost lost media spend due to unviewable ads as well. So it is it is difficult for, for acquisition marketers, to your point, to really like dive in and establish or, or gain that ROI when when budgets are are kind of chipped away at each of at each of those layers. And um, you know, there's definitely other ways or there's ways to solve or to mitigate all of those things. But specifically in regards to to the targeting inefficiencies as well as as data costs, that's really where first party data is is increasingly becoming important, but also um, is going to be the future for acquisition targeting. And, you know, we t- again, we talk a lot about it within CRM. You essentially can use your first-party data to find the right products for your customers or match your, your customers with the right relevant experiences or, or products in your catalog. Um, and, and bang, you see higher ROI and better, and better um, marketing metrics as well. Well, like we mentioned at the beginning, the same is for acquisition. And so, you know, you mentioned, Ben, like regulation, whether it's self-regulation from tech companies or government regulation, um, it makes it difficult to procure and to use third-party data. It also makes it difficult to target because um, at some point in the future, we know that cookies will, will be will be going away. I know the the, the date for, for Google specifically is kind of a bit of a moving target, but we know it's imminent and it's coming and we've known that for a while. Um, and really, and so there, there are solutions obviously for the targeting piece and helping with identity. Different platforms have different, different IDs and things that they can use. But in terms of being able to collect the data um, and scrape it and understand like essentially, you know, there's a lot of targeting that's based on, okay, well, they've looked at these ads or they've interacted with these types of, of, of things in the past. Let's, let's cookie them and target them again. Uh, well, that's not going to work anymore. Um, audience building is going to become a lot more sophisticated than that. And that's where first party data comes into play, because this is data that is, it, first of all, it's free. Um, yeah. Brands already have access to this. <laughs> um, you don't have to buy your own first party data. Obviously, it's limited based on what you're allowed to collect, which your customers are willing to share with you. But, um, you know, things like transaction data, for example, that is something that every Every company has in some form. So, um, you know, it's also more accurate, Ben. You mentioned that there's costs to clean the data. A lot of like third party data that you can procure isn't even like you're paying for a lot of it that's not even usable. First party data is accurate, especially if you have it structured in a way where you're able to get it in a, in a, in a clean way where you can use it. Even if not, you know, there's ways to clean it up, obviously, but it is inherently more accurate because you're collecting it yourself. Um, yeah, and, and and you know that's uh, what you you mentioned, Matt, is super interesting. That we're seeing that on one end we have the third party data that is expensive uh, to acquire, uh, expensive to clean, um, and either if if the, the the treatment of that is internal or external, that's 
takes time or, or, or part of budgets and money. Um, the pro for the, the first party that I, is that, as you said, that's, it's free to collect or almost, uh, but that way cheaper. Um, that's less effort to clean because, as you mentioned, that's your data, that's your customer, so uh, that's, that's uh, usually a, a better match. And so investing time uh, from the team, from the project team, from the IT team, data team working on integrating this first-party data into the system that are used for acquisition, that, that's, worth, that's worth it because the, the, this time is already spent anyway. Maybe not by the same team, but the time or the, the budget of that is spent with, as you were mentioning, agencies yeah. or pro other provider. But that's something that is one way or the other, the money is spent and the time is spent, the bandwidth is spent to use the data on acquisition. You can use the same amount of time to make your first party data available for acquisition and the effectiveness of that, the potential growth scale of your first party data and the usage of your first party data is way better because uh, nobody is reducing uh, the capability of collecting this data because that's just based on your traffic, your revenue, your purchases. Yeah, and 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 kind of also it, it's 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 um, it's sort of omni-channel in the sense of you can obviously you can use it to help your targeting or more effectively target in different environments. So whether it's connecting into Facebook or walled off social supply, or if you're if you're looking to target programmatically on the open web, um, you know this. This data can be used essentially to help in targeting in, in all of those areas. So it's sort of future-proofed in the sense that it's not like applicable on the open web or it's just existing within the Facebook ecosystem. It's something that really is available for marketers if they know how to use it uh, to basically get them ahead on targeting in all of those different environments. And so I guess the, the, the question begs itself, like, how do you, how do you actually do this? Like, what is... Yeah, I have my first party data, um, lots of different data points on lots of different customers, have my transaction data. Ultimately, you know, what do I do next? Like, well, how does this help me? And I think that's that's probably the question on everyone's mind right now. Yeah, um, that's, I mean, fair question. That's first party data. That's mean I already know them. So that's no longer acquisition. Um, so the best usage of this first party data um, would be to identify in your database who is buying a product, who is most likely to purchase uh, the product or to uh, purchase again, or the likelihood or the interest, uh, the, the propensity uh, for a category of products. So all these things that we are talking over and over uh, in, a, in, a, in the podcast will help you to expand your strategy in acquisition. And by that, I mean that you will, let's say you want to promote uh, a polo. You will identify who is interested by buying a product in the polo category uh, on your website or in your stores. Um, and from this group of people interested right now, 
by buying a, a polo, you can seed that to this uh, open web or, or, or display provider. You mentioned, you mentioned some, but I mean, all of them are, are accepting lists from from uh, from, uh, from from you. That I mean, programmatic, uh, all DSP and DSP, Google, Facebook, Criteo. I mean, all of them. You can work with them to import your segments, your group of audience. Uh, um, that's how people are interested by one category or one type of product or one product, one SKU. We are uh, we were talking about even failing propensity of people for people to buy a SKU for CRM, for email, for for push. Uh, but that's the same. That you have this audience that you will feed the platform, uh, the acquisition platform with. Um, and based on their data, based on their ecosystem, they will be able to first target these people. But most likely, they are known for that on your on your system. So maybe they already purchased. What you really want to do to do acquisition is find lookalikes of this audience. So people might have the same type of profile based on the behavior and the data points of the ecosystem you are providing, uh, you, you want to target or you are, you are doing the, running your acquisition campaign. Yeah, yeah. And I think like the, the, re the important thing is to make sure that 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 seed audience that you're using to find lookalikes on activation platforms, again, whether it's Facebook or the open web, what have you, um, that the, the, that that seed that seed audience is accurate. So you need to be able to the the most important thing is to make sure that you are accurately being able to predict who's going to buy in the future. Um, and, you know, I think like that goes back to sort of like some of the stuff we've been talking about around making sure that you're, you have the right capabilities to be able to do that because, you know, obviously you have your, your transaction history, but that doesn't necessarily always predict who is going to buy in the future. Um, but it does give you an indication Uh, or the data that you need to be able to say, to be able to do that. So like, just because somebody bought something in the past doesn't mean they'll buy it in the future. But taking your transaction data and being able to understand who is bought in the past and then looking for certain traits that indicate a likelihood to do that um, using sort of, a, to, your, to your point, lookalike modeling will help you be able to do that accurately. And creating that, that like accurate seed segment that you can then push into activation platforms is key to getting to getting off on the right foot. So um, again, like it's, you have the data you need to be able to do this, uh, but you need to make sure that you have the right like AI and machine learning capabilities to be able to help build that seed audience. It would be the same way that you do it for CRM to your point. But then what you're going to do is basically push that into activation platforms that can go into the acquisition ecosystem into you know into the into the open web and and wall garden environments and basically find people that look like those that look like those people that are more that are most likely to buy yeah and and that's so something really important you say you're saying that's that the way you do or you build audience for CRM is that you will find Uh, people with interest for the product you want to or the offer you want to promote um, based on criteria uh, that can be manual uh, audience uh, selection or that can be uh, AI-driven uh, uh, selection. But you are using some 
data points to identify an audience. If you are running your CRM campaign, maybe the data points you choose or the AI uh, choose uh, and allow you to, to, to select a volume um, is a little bit small for the goal of your campaign and you know that's maybe the product or brand is well known and, and gets a, a, a nice impact with your consumer or there are I mean, a lot of customers can be interested and even if they are not super interested, super likely to purchase right now, you still want to extend a little bit the, the volume of this audience for, for, for your campaign and that's fine to do it. So let's say for CRM, you will be able to select and you, you are building audience that's represent five, 20 to 25, 30% of your database. In the case of the acquisition, you don't want to do that. You want to do and to keep really something narrow, super precise. Because if you provide an audience that is too large and you provide 50% of your database as an example of people interested by a specific product and you ask and you're setting up the platform, the acquisition platform to find lookalikes of these people and expose your campaign for acquisition, they will do lookalike of the 50% you uploaded. Mm -hmm. So that's mean people super likely to, uh, to purchase or with uh, really a big interest for, for your product, but also people you added to get volume that are a little bit less likely to, to purchase. So what I'm saying is, long story short, is the fact that for CRM, if you extend the, the, the target because you are sending and controlling who you are contacting, you can still do it, that's a choice. I mean, that's, a, that's definitely a, a business choice that you can take. Don't do that on the acquisition yeah. part. Do the extension and getting more volume, you want a certain reach on the acquisition part. We are 100% aligned with that, but do that on the, on the platform, on the volume of the lookalike you will find, not on the, on the seed. That's really giving the, I mean, the prototype, the example of the people you want to find, you need to provide something super precise um, to the platform and then saying that, okay, please find and display the, the, the ads to people that look like this, this model, this, this uh, seed, this group of people that are super interested by my product and the volume of people you will, the platform will find can be 100,000 or, or 2 million, that's your choice to be more or less precise and, and for the platform to expand that for the acquisition part. Um, and most likely you maybe want to adapt your bids to uh, based on how, how, grow, uh, how far and how you grow the, 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 the list, the size of the list, and maybe uh, you don't want to pay the same price for people a little bit uh, less likely or... or um, with a lower rank or lower uh, similarity of the of your seed, but um, yeah, you need to really to keep on the this small s amount uh, of uh, of people of consumer as an example for for this platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like yeah, to your point, you don't need to necessarily trade off scale, but I think it is important to note as well that you know if you are if you're looking to target only high propensity buyers for a specific product to your point maybe blue polos or or what have you in your product catalog that targeting only those that are likely to buy or be interested in that might mean that you are in some cases sacrificing some scale 
Uh, but this isn't a branding campaign. You're not looking to generate. We're not talking about generating awareness for your company. We're talking about acquisition. We're talking about <laughs> acquisition and conversions for a specific exactly. product or offering. So, um, you know, it's it's okay to to do that if your if your cost per or if your cost of acquisition goes down. Um, and you know, then you can use that media budget to promote something else and find likely buyers for another offer. Um, and you have the opportunity to do more specifically targeted campaigns um, from an acquisition perspective, but do a higher volume of them. And what you're going to see in that situation is your cost of acquisition going way down for multiple reasons. But specifically, in this case, your targeting is more efficient, your data costs are going down, and your tech costs are going down. And so um, you know, it's, it's a win, 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 uh, in, in that regard. Yeah. And, uh, and the, you're, you're still comp competing with, uh, with people who are using third party data to, to display the campaign. So if you have better efficiency, uh, better performances and return based on that, uh, practice, uh, based on the practice, you will also get more exposure and more impression, uh, compared to audiences yep based on, uh, on, on third-party data. Um, and uh, again, we mentioned that's like maybe uh, 25 times in, in the episode, but the third-party data is already expensive and that will keep going up. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not stopping. That's, uh, that will be more and more complicated to have clean, effective third-party data. Uh, and all of that will make the price really increase. Yep, 100%. Um, that's, I mean, the end of, uh, today's episode and, uh, and, uh, I mean, special notes because that's the last episode for, for you, Matt. Uh, um, and I mean, we'll, uh, we'll continue for sure, uh, the podcast, but, uh, but, uh, that will be, uh, with, uh, without, uh, Matt as a, as a co-host, um, as Matt is, uh, leaving, uh, the company soon. Um, but, um, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, really nice to, do 45, 46 episodes uh, right now for this uh, season one of the, of the podcast. And uh, we'll uh, find and evolve uh, in the, uh, maybe in the formats, getting uh, additional guests. Um, so let me, let me know uh, what you want. Uh, I mean, again, and uh, we always said that, that uh, what are the topics that you have an interest uh, for? Um, what you like uh, to listen to? Uh, any, any, uh, any question or, or point of view that you would like to to discuss uh happy to to have you uh, on the show or getting the the, the topic or the question uh, uh before before the the recording and, and addressing that uh, during the during the episode yeah it's been uh i just want to say it's been it's been so much fun i think you know over a year ago we just had an idea to start doing this and you know we set up some some recording equipment in uh in a conference room and recorded our first episode and you know, it's just grown so much from there. And for me, it's been it's been an incredibly fun experience um, doing, you know, over 40 episodes over the over the last year or so. It's just been an incredible journey and uh, such a, such an awesome experience for me. To be completely honest, I never thought I would be hosting a podcast <laughs> in my life. And uh, it's been it's been really fun to do this with Ben. And, um, you know, I have nothing but confidence that the podcast is going to State of CRM is going to continue to evolve and and um, you know continue to provide tons of great and interesting content for everybody. So I want to thank all of the listeners for uh, listening to me talk to you for for the last year or so. And 
I know I'll be uh, uh, an interested subscriber in, in the state of CRM podcast in the future and can't wait to see um, how it grows from here. And so thank you very much. Right. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.